Hello and welcome to another episode of Menopause Cafe in Conversation with series of podcasts. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Katrina Clark. Katrina is a sexological body worker and somatic sex educator. Her aim is to educate and promote greater sexual awareness and connection to our erotic lives with a client-led approach. A registered Reiki master, Kat lives in Scotland with her husband and two children and is an advocate for a positive menopause. Welcome, Kat. Hi, Helen. It's great to be here. That is quite some, uh, quite some intro there. Um, it's, it's sort of, it's where to know where to start, actually. <laughs> I mean, why don't we crack off with the Reiki? Because Reiki has come up at a couple of menopause cafes and none of us really know what it is and, and how it can help help us in menopause. So would you sort of like to explain a little bit about it? Yeah. And yeah, that did sound like quite an intro. I've got a lot to live up to, haven't I? <laughs> I feel a little bit intimidated by that. <laughs> um, yeah, let, let's begin with, with, with Reiki. Reiki is a, a very powerful um, and yet gentle therapy, complementary therapy. That is very, um, very common in menopause because it's a non-talking therapy. And I think women really enjoy a space to just really drop down into their body and, and feel into um, the energy that's moving within them without having to try and intellectualize it or um, work it out. So Reiki offers an opportunity for you to really just drop down to another level and, and start to feel what's moving in your body. You start to feel a particular warmth or where there may be particular blocks that are having some kind of challenge for you. And the role of the Reiki master or the Reiki practitioner is to help you navigate them and, and, and essentially circulate that energy around the body. Um, so it brings a very calming relaxed state to to mind body and spirit and and women find it very very relaxing it can induce a sleep-like state which of course is really useful in menopause when we're also we're also exhausted and um it's yes it's very gentle it's very um it's very uplifting and it's just a wonderful way of connecting with 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 your body with your with your heart and with your mind how are you managing it at the moment with, with the COVID restrictions? Have you been able to see clients? No, I haven't seen any clients at all during the restrictions because it's such a hands-on practice. What I have done is the, the teaching side of it, I've moved online. So I'm still teaching level one and two online. I'm teaching the theory of Reiki online. But there is a small part, the attunement process um, for practitioners that has to be done one-to-one. So when the restrictions allow, I can work with PPE and, and do that in my, in my garden in the summer <laughs> and then deliver the rest online. So I have found ways around that. Um, but in terms of actually giving treatments, I haven't been allowed to do that with the restrictions, which is a real shame. Must be quite frustrating. Mm, it is. It is. Yes. Although my husband and the kids are still benefiting from it <laughs> and myself. So that's great. <laughs> I mean, talking about sort of living a, a, a fully embodied experience and, and looking at the, your resume with the somatic work, have we totally lost touch with our bodies, do you think? 
Mm, that's that's a great question. Yeah, I I think that is such a common experience, especially in these times. I think what we tend to do is try and think our way out of of challenges and try and overuse the mind too much. Yeah, so we we resort to to the mind to to create and solve issues where actually the the wisdom of the body is a huge resource and listening to the body listening to the heart as the the central point i would say the the mind can be the the slave but the body the right. but we tend to get them mixed up and allow the mind to overwork and it causes more problems than it solves sometimes yeah and in particular in menopause because you know i'm, I'm perimenopausal and i've been for the last couple of years and i think initially when that it comes to us it's a huge shock to the system and we do try and think our way through it and we see it as perhaps a, a collection of, of of symptoms and issues that need to be fixed and resolved and, and we try and think our way through that um, but learning to trust the body and the experience of the body is 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 key for, for me and for a lot of women but it takes a little while to get there I think yeah I think so and it, it's I mean it's interesting talking about body work and if you look at the, the, the role perhaps of sex in relationships because I think there was a study out um, last week from the, the North American Menopause Society looking at um, sex in, around menopause and how women's bodies and their perception of their bodies influences perhaps their sexual behavior mm. And I actually wonder why, because there's a spike in divorce rates, as, as, you, as you know, around about menopause. And I wonder whether it's because we're trying to renegotiate our relationship with ourselves, both body and mind. We're also trying to do that if we're in a relationship with our partner. And I wonder mm. whether it's just, it, that just adds to the confusion. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and menopause can be a very confusing time because there are so many changes happening all at once, isn't there, you know, to body, mind and spirit. And what, what I would say in terms of, of, of sex and sexuality, in terms of our partner sex and our relationships, is the, the confusion that, that is caused is because we're trying to live the old way that, that worked prior to, to menopause perimenopause if you like we're trying to recreate what was once there and as you know as we start moving into menopause the, the changes that come through take us further away from that reality and the temptation is to pin it on the relationship or oh, there's something in the relationship that's that isn't working now the relationship is wrong I no longer feel desire I no longer feel sexual um, I no longer feel connected to myself or my partner and it's a huge responsibility for the relationship to carry. And I think if, if there's any advice I would give around this is to, risk, is to avoid the temptation of putting it all on the relationship and step back from that and know that first of all, you're only partnered with yourself. You will only always be partnered with yourself. So to start with yourself first is, is key and start looking at what's happening with you, with your body, with your experience, and igniting a self-pleasure practice that will bring you back to yourself, that will bring you back to 
a conscious loving touch that you cultivate within your own practice and then you can start reaching out into the relationship into a new way and communicating your desires your needs because you've identified them for yourself rather than putting the responsibility of someone else being responsible for your pleasure which is always very vulnerable <laughs> at the best of times isn't it it's um, true so, so yeah, I, I think setting a, a self-pleasure practice is, is key um, during, during menopause, whether you're in a relationship or not. Because it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because, I mean, we've spoken about this before, and I think if there's one topic that is even more taboo than menopause, it's female masturbation. Because I, I imagine it's because of shame, um, because, I mean, shame thrives everywhere doesn't it and, and whether it's periods menopause um, and masturbation there just seems to be something that is so shameful that I think even to perhaps suggest to some women that, that they should practice it to, to bring themselves back into their bodies would probably come as a shock and yet it's the most natural harmless thing that we can do for ourselves and it's just such a shame that it has become sort of embedded within this this yeah negative sort of nuanced shameful right. yeah that, that's that's right it is quite shocking it's shocking that that is the society we live in that we don't live and the truth is we don't live in a sex positive society we, we we don't so we have a lot to rub up against we've got a lot to really move away from so there's a huge amount of shame and fear and guilt that surrounds female sexuality but in particular a female pleasure essentially we're talking about pleasure so I can ask women that I work with you know what do you do for pleasure and um, they share the, the same experiences as me they enjoy yoga and exercise and good nutrition and walks in nature everything that I enjoy in my menopausal years but very few will actually say I enjoy sex or I enjoy self-pleasure yeah? it's just not part of our toolkit at all and um feel that what society does with sex is it use it it uses it to sell it's a commercial asset isn't it we use sex to sell anything from cars to toothpaste but we <laughs> we really don't allow any space at all for joy and, and pleasure and and the creative movement that our sexuality has so it's it's a resource it's our birthright essentially that many of us are not in tune with and not using to to the best that we can i mean i think it's also a gendered issue as well isn't it because i mean my perception is that there's not the same amount of shame and guilt associated with male self-pleasure compared to female and we've got a whole language for male male self-pleasure haven't we exactly we, we hear this language all the time and it's a really casual language that we have that's and there's lots of jokes about it all it's mainstream language whereas women's self-pleasure and women's masturbation as you say is seeped in in, in, in this shame and um they're very much taboo it's, it's, it's something that isn't our isn't really allowed yet for us for sure and how do we change that well, these conversations help hugely. <laughs> they really do, don't they? Um, 
I mean, there are some wonderful resources out there that, that are, and I'll mention them at the end. Um, but I think we change it by talking about it. We can create our own language, our own in-jokes and, and our own way. But I think we can change it by essentially seeing it as an act of self-care. Yeah. If, if we see masturbation and self-pleasure as an act of self-care, it will then begin to integrate into our, in, into our dialogue, into our conversations, and it will become part of our toolbox. It will become part of where we go to, to relax, to unwind, to let go of stress. And um, that's, that's how we do it. We just keep talking about it. We just keep pushing it out there and, and we just don't stop. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, and I suppose it's also, it, it, by helping ourselves, we're actually helping our relationships. Um, because I think there was a, a great somewhere that I read from you that living a, a fully fully embodied life is, is what you're trying to cultivate. Mm, mm, that's right. Yes, that's right. And our sexuality, when, when our sexuality is fully embodied, what happens is that it then seeps in, and it weaves into every area of our life. So it's not an act that's purely for the bedroom. It's not an act that's purely to have in partnership with someone else. Our sexuality is our creativity, it's our expression in the world. It's how we connect in every relationship that we have, in our working relationships, our family relationships, with, with our friends, with our children, with our, our creative projects out there. So the more in line we are with our own intuitive sexual bodies and our erotic body, the more expansive we are, the more trusting we tend to be in life, um, the more positive and engaged we are. So we meet the world um, in, in a very different way. We meet the world in a very engaged way, if you like. If we're not so in tune with our sexuality and, and our erotic nature, we tend to be more repressed. So we tend to be smaller, more shameful, more, more hidden away in the world, more internal, if you like. So then, of course, our relating is, is reduced, isn't it? Our connection with self and nature and our relationships is restricted. So for me, really having that, that embodied sexuality, that creative expression is essential because it's, 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 how I, it's how I engage. So my sexuality becomes that, that gateway to, to in, engaging with my entire experience. This is not simply just a physical thing that happens with someone else. Because I think, yes, as well, and also the perception is that, that, that a misperception that sex is just penetrative sex and that's all mm. that there is to it. Um, whereas, as I say, I think it's far more nuanced than that and, and that, that's right. Well, the libido, the, the Jungian, I think it, 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 the Jungian expression for definition of libido is life force energy. Is it? Yes. So the libido is the life force energy, which is what I've tried to explain in the last few moments. I don't know if I quite got it right, but um, the life force energy that moves through us, this creative expression, how we meet the world. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I mean, there's, I also jotted down a, a, another quote by a chap called Patrick Cairns. And he said, when we hide with sex, we can hide from sex, but we cannot be fully ourselves sexually and hide. Our sexual behavior is a core expression of who we are. 
absolutely absolutely that that's that's right it really is and, and when you take a moment to really consider that the the consequences of that are huge and the potential is huge isn't it but it takes courage it takes great courage to really meet that place and it takes great courage to go against everything that society is telling us we are or how we should behave or how we should present as women in the world and um it, it takes a huge amount of courage to swim against the tide and really stand up for your own empowerment and and your own sexual birthright i think i love the i love the saying how we do life is how we do sex <laughs> right i hadn't heard that <laughs> isn't that interesting <laughs> I think if we're sort of, you know, talking about menopause um, and sex, obviously we need to, to, to bring in, I suppose, the, the, the organic, organic element of it. Um, and I'm thinking about vaginal dryness now, um, mm. because I also think that can be a really big problem for women. And interestingly enough, that's also one of the subjects that Menopause Cafe, people are the most reluctant to bring up. Mm. And yet it's probably one of the easiest things that can be fixed or, you know, can be treated. Yes, yes, that, that's, that's right. Absolutely. It goes back to that, that shame and that, that embarrassment around the body, doesn't it? Mm. And, and, and really just accept it that we have these bodies. And we know what they're called as well, because I think a lot of people just, you know, I'm always shouting at the cafe, you know, the external part is a vulva. It's, it's, yeah. it's not the vagina. Yes, um, that's that right. And, yeah. and of course, um, Jane Lewis's, her fantastic book, I don't know whether you've read that, Me and My Menopause of Vagina. No, I have heard of it. It looks fantastic. It's on my list. It's, I think it's, it's just over two years old now. And I think that was a complete sort of taboo buster as regards uh, <laughs> so many sort of busting so many taboos there. That's a really fabulous book. Um, but also I think it, it's good for signposting, but I think it, it also gives women hope actually that it's not just, you know, this is not the end of a my life, end of my sex life, just because I'm going through the menopause. Absolutely. It, it can be a wonderful time um, of, of, of beginnings. And in my experience of, of, of perimenopause to date, I've had a lot of health challenges with it along the way. But I'm discovering all the time that there's so many new possibilities available now because I'm letting go of so much stuff on every level and inviting in so many new ways of being around my health and how I'm changing my relationships with myself, with, with others. There's huge possibilities in it. And I think if, if we put our sexuality right in the middle of that, what we can learn from our sexuality and our sexual sexual explorations is is absolutely huge and, and i think there's a there's a lack of sex education in general anyway um, there's certainly a lack of sex education around the the female genitalia as you say a lot of women wouldn't be able to name the the, the, the main characteristics of the vulva and know what they do and how they work together and how we can bring this beautiful orchestra, I call it an orchestra <laughs> of parts together to make the most beautiful music. We generally know the clitoris and that's really about it. We don't really have a sense of what else is happening and what is possible. I would advise all women as part of their practice, and I'll say a little bit about that in a moment, to first of all, take a hand mirror Take some time and look 
have a look and see what is happening with your vulva. Have a look and make that connection with your vulva and begin to explore the parts that you've possibly never ever explored before until this time. And there's no better time to go on an exploration than a menopause because we're out in the open exploring all these new lands, aren't we? So we may as well throw the vulva in there as well. <laughs> But also, I mean, if, <laughs> that's a great line, actually. <laughs> but if, if you think about the, the clitoris, I mean, um, I suppose most of it would just it, know it as, you know, sort of the tiny bud. But I think um, Elaine Miller, you know, the, the physiotherapist and stand up mm. comedian from Edinburgh, mm. um, does a great talk, really fantastic talk. And, you know, sort of makes the point that, no, that is just literally the tip of, of you know, an entire yes, sort of a, a large organ with sort of, you know, it's hard to, to describe, but sort of with, with feet that sort of curve round. Yes, that's right. It has an entire body. It has an, is, it is, is an oval shape, if you like. It's an entire body that comes around the, 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 the in, internal and external as, as it swells of, of the vulva. And it, and, it, and it carries an enormous sensitivity for pleasure. But when you can stimulate the clitoris around the, 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 the bulbs and around the internal workings of the G-spot. There's an enormous amount of pleasure available. We just need to know how to use all these instruments. <laughs> yeah, and also I, I think I picked up this from, from Elaine's, um, one of her shows, that I think that the sheer number of nerve endings in the clitoris mm -hmm. is, is something like 10 or 100 times greater than, than, than the head of the penis. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's an incredible organ. Yeah, we're actually wired for pleasure. It's as simple yeah. as that. <laughs> we're <laughs> wired for pleasure. And, you know, in these COVID times, Helen, when we're surrounded with so much anxiety and uncertainty and we're, we're so restricted, aren't we, in, in our movements and there's so much change in, in our daily lives, what we can do when we're experiencing any kind of distress and pain is go to the pleasure body. Where can I go to find relaxation and pleasure and to down-regulate when I'm so overstimulated by today's standards, um, I can go to, to my erotic body and there I will find all the soothing and the care that I need. And, and we are actually wired for that. And it's, it's, it's such a waste not to use it. So I, <laughs> it's I, free, <laughs> readily available. <laughs> I mean, with, has there any there sort of been any studies done with um, looking at perhaps postmenopausal women um, as regards their ability to reach an orgasm? Because I don't know. I mean, certainly HRT, I think, can do wonders with, with women's libido, particularly testosterone. Mm -hmm. But I know mm -hmm. an awful lot of women end up taking antidepressants as well, which, of course, can seriously impact mm. um, the ability to, to orgasm. Is there any research in that area that... Yes, yeah. I mean, there's there's no research that I can that I can call to mind. Although I'm sure there there will be research out there. What what I would say in terms of libido and and, and menopause, perimenopause, menopause, and postpause, is that the libido will always be there. So we tend to talk a lot in 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 terms of low libido or lost our libido, um, or reduced libido. And I think changing the narrative on that is really useful because the libido remains the same all the way through. It never changes. As long as we're alive, we have this life force energy we, we've talked 
together and that will never change that's our connection to to being alive um, but what does happen is that we can get very caught up in the, the symptoms the, the physical and psychological symptoms of menopause to the point where in, in many cases, we're really just surviving a lot of the time, or it can feel that way. The body's stressed, the body's exhausted. We have the brain fog. We have a, a drop in confidence and identity, and we can feel very disconnected from ourselves in the world. So we feel like we're, we're in that stress response the whole time, just running from the tiger, if you like. And when we're in that state, the body isn't relaxed and open and expansive. So its capacity for receiving pleasure, joy and relaxation is greatly reduced. It's just not available. It's not that it's gone away. We just can't simply access it because we're, try we're too distracted with all the other stressors that are happening at that time. So, so the great challenge is to know that. And rather than tell ourselves, oh, libido's gone i don't have a libido that's it it's all over because it's, it's very easy to do that especially as we feel the fertility drop and 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 that physiological changes but it's to address that by saying this is where i'm at let's start with where i'm at let's start with being in the exhaustion and the stress and the confusion but knowing i still always have access to my pleasure and it's simply then beginning a new journey to, to, to find that place again. And that is the discovery. That's where the, the real discoveries begin to happen. So it's taking the pressure off and just checking in and just being with what's there and, and, and starting to really follow a pathway back to pleasure. And it, and it comes in quickly. It can come in very, very quickly because it's always available to us. And our, our erotic body is always trying to serve us. That's it fascinating way of looking at it you mentioned some resources earlier where would you sort of signpost women to perhaps if they want to i don't know just discover more about themselves or yeah sure there's, there's a huge amount of resources out there but what i could do is is perhaps give a little overview of how a self-pleasure practice yeah terrific um and it's, it's a very simple process. First of all, what I would do is to, as I've just said, is to, is to change the narrative. It's not available. And, and go with, actually, I'm going to begin a new journey to find my pleasure in, in a whole new way, with a whole new mindset and a whole new curiosity. So first of all, I would set some time down, as you would do if you were going to do any kind of exercise or, or yoga routine, you know, set the intention in exactly the same way. This is my self-care. This is part of my self-care practice. I'm going to give myself anything from 10 minutes onwards, depending on what's available. And in that time, I'm going to set an intention. And my intention may just be to start touching my body in a new way that I've never done before. And you may want to bring in some lovely massage oil. You may want to set a playlist and put some beautiful music together that, that you can enjoy. You might want to decide if you're going to be clothed or unclothed. If you're going to lie down, stand up, move around, and really just start to create a private space for you to really 
explore your, your body, your, your sensuality and, and your erotic self. And it may be that you say you have 20 minutes and you spend the first 10 minutes doing a lovely massage, perhaps a lovely breast massage or a lovely body massage. And you could spend the next 10 minutes working out your shopping list and what you're going to pick up at the supermarket later on. <laughs> because we've got to get real. That will happen. <laughs> yeah, we are not all Tantra goddesses and, and that will not happen. <laughs> So when I first set out this practice, that, that's what happened. And I would sit there and think, wow, here, here I am. And what I'm noticing is I've spent the last 10 minutes working out what to put in the kids' pat lunches, what I'm going to pick up at the supermarket later on, and da-da-da. We've all got those lists, haven't we? We have. And we go to the list. I thought, wow, look at what I'm putting in place rather than my own pleasure, rather than my own care. Look, look what's happening here. Look what's taking priority. So being realistic and, and noticing whatever comes up is absolutely fine and accepting it and allowing it to be there. Notice what you put in place of your pleasure. Notice what you put in place of your self-care. And each time you go back to that practice, you'll perhaps get more confident in giving yourself more time and more space and allowing those distractions to dissolve and, and you can go back to them later. The supermarket's not going to go away. It's always going to be there, you know. Um, so setting a time and an intention can really help give it a form and a shape that will keep you on track, if you like. What am I going to do and how long am I going to do it for? And then within that space, you can just begin to, to explore. You may want to bring in breath, sound and movement, which the erotic body absolutely loves. The erotic body loves to hear sound, your sound, the sound of others. It really responds to the breath. And if you can find a really um, good breathing technique that works for you and it enjoys movement it enjoys moving around and, and sensual dance you can bring that all in you can have the most wonderful time with yourself <laughs> and we don't make enough sound we just don't you know we're, we're, especially in, in in british society we're so repressed with sound aren't we even on our own we're we're reluctant to make a noise i think it's it's the whole um, just be small and be quiet. And I think as women, we sort of, it, it's, it's, I was mm. talking to Melanie Santorini a couple of months ago and, and she said, you know, really, we need to stand into our sovereign space and take up the same amount of space as, as, as a man would. Um, right. And just own, own who we are. Absolutely. And, you know, male sexuality works in such a different way, doesn't it? I always consider male sexuality to be like dogs with frisbees in the park they're just ready to go at any time it's like yes yes let's do it now this is great it's the dog with the frisbee so what is the analogy for women then well for women i see women in in a much more feline softer way and we can reach the exactly the same orgasmic heights as men and beyond but our approach moves much more from the, the body, much more from the heart. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's much more all inviting. Yeah, we, we need time to, to warm up and to open and to really expand. And that's exactly what the vulva does in arousal. It needs a lot of time to, to warm and, and, and be receptive. It can't just respond to what, whatever stimulus is, is, is coming at it. So in terms of genital touch and genital massage within the self 
pleasure practice, I would say, get to know the anatomy, get to know your own anatomy, have a look, use that, use that hand mirror, take in some um, lovely organic coconut oil and, and explore and some of the resources I'll, I'll, I'll give you at the end of this will help you do that um, and get to know how your vulva likes to be touched and what works for you. It could be the very first time you've ever done that. Mm. And menopause is just the most perfect time for it, isn't it? Because we're exploring so many foreign lands. <laughs> is there one, it's often hard to narrow it down to just one, but is there one piece of advice that you wish someone had said to you about menopause, perhaps when you were in your twenties? Oh my goodness, yes. Yes. Gosh, there's so much, isn't there? What I wish heard in my 20s that menopause will be my greatest teacher if I allow it. And that my menopause wants the best for me and not to fight it. Because I feel I, I fought it for the first few years. It was such a shock. Yeah. And why does it come as a shock to us, though? That's, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Is it denial or avoidance? Or is it just, I don't know what goes on, that, that we just seem so unprepared for it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And my, my menopause began consciously around about 47. And I'd already had two children by then. And yet I was completely unaware. I had no education around it whatsoever. I thought it would start late 50s, late 50s. <laughs> and I would simply stop bleeding and that would that would be it and that would be all very nice. Yep. What a shock that was, hey? <laughs> How has your, your menopause been the last sort of couple of months? You know, perhaps a, a lot of women seem to be saying that because of COVID and perhaps different restrictions, they felt perhaps slightly more stressed or a lot of women saying their anxiety levels have gone through the roof. Mm. Um, mm. Also, quite a lot of women have said that they feel a lot calmer because they know they can't go out or certainly at the beginning of lockdown they couldn't go out mm. have you sort of found the the, the additional stresses have, have impacted you it's a bit of a mixed bag for me actually and, and initially in in lockdown i really enjoyed just the reset and everything being stripped back simply being home with the family homeschooling the children i really really enjoyed and i enjoyed the slowing down and letting go of a lot of the noise my body really needed that my menopause mm. really needed that and it gave me time to really focus more on, on me and the immediate needs of for myself and for my family without all the running around and all the busyness. And that I felt was a great blessing. And then some anxiety came in, um, which, which was more menopause related. And I felt less resourced. I felt more connect, disconnected from the world as a, as a result of COVID obviously. And, but that pushed me to find more, more support, more resources to reach out to more women, get more involved in, in the menopause world of activities, <laughs> which I'm happily splashing around in now and go back to my self-pleasure practice again. Yeah, what do I know supports me? Uh, I know my body is doing its best and it will support all these changes. Um, in, in terms of the vaginal dryness, Helen, you mentioned that earlier and I would, I would recommend um, a, a very good self-pleasure practice with, with genital touch and genital massage with a really good coconut oil and perhaps a little castor oil, just a drop or two of castor oil, which is really 
really beneficial and bringing that in on a regular basis can, can be really useful. Presumably just for the exterior. Yes, yes. You, you can use the coconut oil internally as well. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned resources. Did mm. you want to sort of signpost everybody to to them and also where can where can people find you if they want to if they want to follow up with your work if they want to perhaps connect with you ask some questions yes there's so much isn't there we could just talk all day <laughs> well, I could. <laughs> if you would let me i would i'm sure um you can find me uh, i i have two websites actually for my sexuality work i work with um a lovely friend and peer of mine um, his name is John Fraser and he's based in Glasgow and we do a lot of work with with couples and with groups a lot of which we're, we're putting online at the moment as well so you can find us there under sexuality-coaching.co.uk you can find a lot of my resources and my work with individuals on phoenix-tantra.co um, and Reiki if you want to have a look at Reiki you can find me on Katrina Clark in terms of resources, I would highly recommend um, a wonderful book by Sherry Winston, and it's The Woman's Anatomy of Arousal. It is just the most wonderful guide for, for women. It will give wonderful illustrations and guidance to the female anatomy, to how to access your pleasure. Um, it has a great um, a resource for partnered sex as well but essentially she looks at the mind body spirit link with sexuality and and how to use your own erotic body for your own healing and and your own pleasure so she is top of the list for me it's, it's an incredible resource another one i would recommend is urban tantra by barbara Corellis, and that has some wonderful exercises wonderful breathing exercises and um, she works a lot with the breath, sound and movement, which is, which is essential to awaken the erotic body. And then for the use of toys, if you're bringing sex toys into your practice and you want to experiment with sex toys or start out finding the right one for you, Smile Makers is wonderful. I love the Smile Makers website. Uh, it's relatively new, it's fresh, it's God, it has a wonderful selection of erotic stories on there, which I think are wonderful. So your self-pleasure practice could be, I'm going to have a cup of tea and listen to an erotic story for 20 minutes. Great. Before I get to Tesco. <laughs> there are worse you, ways to spend an afternoon. Well, there really are. There really are. <laughs> It beats empty in the dishwasher, doesn't it? So smile makers, I love. I love the erotic stories, which are are, are just fabulous for um, for our, our awareness. And they also have great sexual health blogs on there. I would I would highly recommend them. So they're they're good. They're that's enough to get going with. I think. Yeah. Terrific. Thank you so much. And um, I don't know whether you're coming along to Flash Fest next year, the uh, Menopause Festival in Perth, but we've got um, the lady who does uh, cabaret and erotic storytelling. Yes. Red Velvet yes. Revelry, I think uh, I think she's called. So uh, that might be something to put in your diary for next year. Oh, for sure, that is in the diary because it's so close to, from from here as well. I mean, Aberdeen to Perth is is a great. Um, short drive for me so I'll definitely be there yes terrific can't wait to see you and uh, Kat 
once again, thanks ever so much for your time and all that superb advice. Oh, you're so welcome, Helen. Thank you for inviting me.